RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back into another edition of the MA Report Podcast with Dale Gavon. I am Jason Foyt. It is March 22nd, 2022. And Daniel, you know, typically when I start these shows, you know, I'm talking about, you know, what's coming up on the show. By the way, got two interviews for you coming up. We got Terrence McKinney and Cody Brundage. Spoke to both those guys at the end of last week. And, you know, usually my WTF story of the week doesn't come till, you know, midway through the show. But I figured, you know what? Let's just start off the week with the WTF stories of the week because I don't know which one is the better WTF of the week. So Sunday morning, I'm going back and I'm watching all the the post-fight scrums from the UFC card and Dana White ends his scrum, which I thought was a really good scrum. He went off like 30 minutes. There were some things that definitely took away from it. But uh, the fact that Dana White gets applauded following this post-fight scrum, I'm like, man, I really hope that's not the media, but I'm going to guess probably was some media because, you know, you watch a a Dana White scrum, rarely, rarely do you hear an applause, which was kind of weird to me. Maybe they had some VIPs at the scrum. Maybe they did. Or is a bigger WTF of the week, uh, the PFL public relations uh, specialist going out there and having an article where if you're an old school pro wrestling fan you'll get this reference he was barry horowitz in himself if you do not know who barry horowitz is back in the the 90s he was a guy he was the jobber and his whole gimmick was he patted himself on the back and i'm just like if i'm the pfl i'm going what the f is our pr guy clearly handing a puff piece to someone instead of i don't know Maybe talk about our 2022 schedule they released on Monday. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. When I I just read this article on EssentiallySports.com that you shared with me. It's titled PFL Senior VP Lauren Mack Helping Lead Promotions Rapid Growth. Uh, this article is insane. It, it's all over the place. It starts off talking about Lauren Mack and like the second paragraph is a quote that says the biggest difference between the PFL and 1FC is that the PFL is building a successful consumer focused based business for generations to come while 1FC is trying to sell a fake narrative. And it doesn't really ever elaborate what they mean by that. It's crazy. And the part is, before he came to the PFL, Lauren was the PR guy for one championship. And I will tell you this straight up. As someone who gets all the one championship press releases, the narrative that was there with the one championship when Lauren was with the one championship, it's not those press releases anymore. So, hold on. You were selling us a fake narrative when you won championships? So are we supposed to believe you're not selling a fake narrative now? Like, I don't know, constantly calling yourself the number two mixed martial arts promotion in the world? Yeah, it's just this dude hates Bellator is what I was reading from this article. Like, it, it, it's crazy that this is a pretty big day for the PFL. Pretty big time where they announced the season. They announced the date for the pay-per-view for the finale, and, and we're about to dig into it. But it's crazy that this article comes out and it just comes across as if he wrote it himself and then had, had it posted under this name. The article's all over the place. It, it makes no sense. You can kind of see his vendettas. It, it, it's absolutely insane. It's worth the read. 
Um, I, unfortunately, there's a lot of ads on there, so I guess we'll give them some eyeballs. But it reads like some type of awful fan fiction. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things I'm like, man, just worry about the fights. Like, because, like, look, the, the whole, like, PFL, how they love to tout the smart cage. I don't give a crap about your smart cage. I just... I'm tuning into PFL because I want to watch fights. I don't care that it's a quote unquote smart cage. Yeah, I, I, I hate my smartphone. All right. I spend too much time on that. That's thing I care about is a smart cage. I, I agree. Um, look, it, it's crazy to me that we have two real good WTF stories, right? Like the first story is just it, it's a throwback. You know, we're going to talk later about how much we enjoyed the UFC fight night, how great it was. This was a not in the apex. It was in England, but listening to the applause of Dana White made me think, damn, maybe they should just go back to the apex because that was embarrassing. You know, maybe that's why we haven't heard the applause because there hasn't been anyone there, but that was embarrassing, but that's par for the course. I, I think the PFL story is definitely the biggest WTF story, but you know we live in a crazy world of combat sports where we're not even t- having uh, a kickboxing event in glory getting uh, canceled because of a riot mid-fight. I mean, all these hooligans, I believe they're caught with their shirts off throwing chairs. Dude, dude, I, <laughs> it's I, crazy. I saw this. I want to say I saw it on my Instagram feed. And all of a sudden, I see, like, this one dude. And then, auto, for whatever reason, I my eyes zone in on this one dude who just shirtless just comes steaming in. I'm like, oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah. Like, yeah. there are people running to that conflict. Bro, if I'm there, I am running as far away from that conflict as possible. Yeah, that was insane. I mean, you should, at the end of the day, the people, the only people in the building who shouldn't be wearing a shirt should be inside the cage. Yeah. If you are outside the cage, keep your damn shirt on. Even you, Charles Barkley. I know you wanted to take your shirt off at the Auburn one, but yeah, that was uh, that was crazy. But yeah, it's been a crazy week, man. Every weekend goes by. We come on this show, and there's more and more things in this world that make us just say WTF. I know. I mean, look, in, in the PFL regular season schedule came out on Monday, and I mean, look, when, when I look at this graphic that was out there and uh, I got to give kudos because I saw it on, on Jedi Goodman's uh, Twitter feed was when you look at this schedule where it all starts on April the 20th. Like I look, I like the idea of a Wednesday car, uh, you know, nine o'clock on, on ESPN. I think that's a great move by the PFL because you have there's you're not going to have any other combat sports competition on that that night. That's tremendous. And eight days later, they're on a Thursday, so on and so forth. Now, when they get to the playoffs, so one thing I thought was kind of interesting was uh, the playoff week number two and playoff week number three will both be Saturday afternoon cards on ESPN. A majority of this schedule is on ESPN. Uh, only two regular season events air on ESPN two. But yeah, the one thing that did stick out to me is the fact of the PFL championships is going to be on November the 25th. Maybe you don't realize what that date is. That is the day after Thanksgiving. They are going on pay-per-view. I mean, look, I'm interested to see the price point of that pay-per-view and what ultimately that card ends up being to decide how much it's worth it. But I will tell you this. I remember this was years ago. Years ago, I had a promoter say, Promoter 101, never do a card the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, because... I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be spending time with their family, but also, more importantly, a lot of people are going to be Black Friday shopping. 
Um, this pay-per-view does start off at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. So that does give people an opportunity to to watch this show and then go Black Friday shopping. But honestly, more and more often, that Black Friday shopping is starting earlier and earlier in the day. But yeah, people in the business, I think, would probably run away from this date. PFO is not. I think for them, they probably won't have any other combat sports competition on that day. So that in and of itself is a positive. But I, I do think they are really going to need a strong, strong event uh, for that Friday show. They're going to really need some strong finals here. And, you know, when you look back at some of the past PFL championships, they've been fun shows to watch. But unfortunately, I would say none of them have been pay-per-view quality. Yeah, I mean, to me, if I'm PFL, best case scenario is you can somehow avoid Julia Budd and Kayla Harrison from fighting each other in the regular season and in in the start of the playoffs. And then that's kind of your, you know, what you lead up to. Because, I mean, look, Julia Budd is, you know, when we talk about one of the best 145-pound fighters in the world, of course, they're fighting at 155. But then, like, to me, like, you you name every other name on the PFL roster, I feel like you got to have them in the championship. You need to have Rory McDonald in that championship. You need to have... Anthony Pettis, if Fabricio Verdum is still a part of the equation, like you need those names that are going to get people to want to tune in. But I mean, look, until we hear what that price point, of that pay-per-view is, you know, we'll, we'll see this. Like if you sat there and said, Hey, they're going to do a, a pay-per-view for $19.99. My gut feeling says no way. That's the price point. My, my, my gut says the price point is at least $39.99. I would think so, too, just when you look at the pay-per-view price points of the UFC and, and just really any um, pay-per-view nowadays. I mean, the the numbers are incredibly high, and I think they're going to want to look at that number so they can get some money back here. I think, you know, I think when I look at this schedule, the positive has to be the fact that so many of these shows are on ESPN, without a doubt. I, I think that's the big positive for them. The the negative I would point to, aside from maybe taking that risk on pay-per-view and exposing yourself, is there's no way that a viewer is going to build the habit watching this product in that it starts off on a Wednesday, goes to a Thursday, then we have five straight Fridays, two Saturdays, and we end on a Friday. In that, in the playoffs, the last two rounds are at 2 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Eastern. In that, you have times changing from 9 to 10 to 9 to 8 to 7 throughout the season. So... It's going to be incredibly difficult to get someone to get a viewing habit for the PFL product. And I think that's something that maybe you would want to run towards if you're doing that weekly format. If you're doing the playoff bracket, if you're doing the weekly sports format, I think you would want to run towards doing a weekly show in the same day in the same time slot. But I would imagine – the reason why it's not like that has to be because they wanted their product on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's probably just ESPN saying, hey, these are dates you can go on. This is a time that you can go on. And look, I want to see the PFL succeed. I mean, you know, there's just there's there's times they just put stuff in press releases that just absolutely make me shake my head. But I mean, look, being on ESPN is a huge plus for them, huge plus. The fact that none of these cards are a, a 
a ESPN plus only car. The fact that it's on ESPN, ESPN two, that is absolutely tremendous for them. And you know, look, it's, it's going to be one of those things of, unfortunately, I don't have access to the PFL challenger series. I'm not a FUBU TV subscriber, so I can't watch them. Um, which, which I think is kind of a, a major flaw of this challenger series is the fact of, you know, the, the people that potentially could watch it, you know, you're, you're limiting yourself. I mean, I, I would, it would be fascinating to know. I mean, I, I looked up an article about two weeks ago, you know, how many subscribers of FUBU TV had, and it was like, I want to say it was like 1.3 million, something like that. So I mean, a, a nice healthy number for there for a, a upstart streaming service. But it's one of those things that I just sat there. I'm like, Man, like if you're PFL, you got to make your your product more accessible. Uh, Want to see them succeed? You know what they can do. I'm interested to see what they do on a week in and week out basis to get me interested. I just one thing I certainly hope is, man, uh, last year uh, the pacing of these broadcasts were so awful. So I, I hope that they. It, it seems like uh, after the first week of the PFL Challenger Series, they realize they fixed it. Um, what's interesting? They're going to be going to Arlington, Texas to an esports arena and then they're going to some arena in Atlanta that I so I look it up and it was like maximum capacity for a basketball game 1300 people I'm like oof man if you're the number two MMA promotion in the world don't you aren't you going to big arenas <laughs> yeah I, I think there are probably some promotions down where you are at that maybe draw houses that are on that size yeah you know yeah. and that, that's what regional promotions are that type of venues they're going into it was one of those things I looked it up I'm like hold on you're the number two quote unquote MMA promotion in the world, but you're literally going to places that like you should be going to arenas that can put five and 10,000 people in the building. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or maybe, you know, you can't sell those tickets. I think that's the likely scenario there, but dude, for the, the Arlington show, cheap reserve ticket, 150 bucks. I don't know how you sell a ticket like that. I just don't know who's spending 150 bucks to go watch a PFL show in a cheap reserve seat. That's outrageous to me. That really is. But, man, maybe they are the number two MMA promotion in the world. I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Look, they're probably they're number three in America, I think, I would say. Yeah, who would be number four? Exactly. I mean, number four is probably either Invicta or... Uh, LFA? Well, LFA would, yeah. I, and I'd probably say LFA. It's tough, though. Uh, oh, you already know who's number four is. It's Eagle FC. It's Eagle FC. I mean, I don't know if it's an American. Oh, 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 oh. I, that's not where I, I where thought. I thought you were going to say Combat Take Global or Combat Take Americas. No, they're the number one promotion in South America, apparently. I, I just like it's, it's one of these things when you hear promotions brag about that. I'm like, there is such a huge difference between number one and number two. Like it, it, like there's not, it's not even close. Like, I mean, look, the, the one thing PFL has over Bellator, no question about it. They've got a better distribution system. No question about it. You know, being on ESPN is way better than being on Showtime. But I mean, like, it's one of those things of like, I, I look at the PFL and it's just one of these things that go, can we just talk about the fights? I feel like all the press releases have nothing to do with the fights. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's been, um, it was a problem for one FC. And magically now it's a problem for the PFL and one can only wonder <laughs> what the cause of that is. Moral of the story is this, brother. You can afford to not have credibility if you're popular. Dana White, Conor McGregor, John Jones, Chael Sonnen, they can 
say whatever the hell they want, but they're popular and we don't care. But when you're trying to become popular, when you're trying to get the trust, credibility is everything. And when you don't have credibility and you're not popular, you are going to have a whole lot of trouble garnering an audience. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like I said, man, at the end of the day, I just want to see great fights. I just want to on television, watch great fights and uh, not get a ton of filler content, which sometimes is why I do like to watch stuff on DVR because you can kind of fast forward through all that. But uh, before we move on to UFC, London, I'm going to let you hear the first interview on this week's edition of the podcast. That is with Cody Brundage, who is coming off a victory two weeks ago as uh man, it did not look good for him early on in this fight. Ends up getting a submission win there against Dolce. Uh, a big portion of the conversation that you're going to hear here actually has to do with a Facebook post that he wrote, which was this. Just getting home, what a wild weekend it was. My team and I prepare extremely hard for this fight. I did the most work I've ever done and really fell in love with the journey again. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing feeling like someone who just falls short when it matters. That's a demon I've dealt with my entire athletic career. We broke that idea on Saturday. I say we because without my team and coaches, I would not have accomplished this. I have the goal of making it to the UFC for a long time, but just getting there was not all I envisioned. I accomplished a few more goals by winning, getting a finish, and winning a bonus. It wasn't the prettiest win but it means so much to me. This is a, this is the prove it business. And I proved a ton of myself in this fight. I know I belong. I've only been a pro for just under three years and I am going to get, I am only getting better. Every streak starts with one and I can't wait to keep it going. So here is my conversation with Cody Brundage. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who scored his first UFC victory there, UFC Vegas number 50, Cody Brunish. Cody, appreciate time. We were kind of joking right before before the uh, we started here about uh, didn't go to script, but uh, you go out there and get the W. Like as I, I'm sure you've probably gone back and you've watched this thing, uh, you know, several times, you know, since uh, since Saturday night. Like, how do you kind of describe, uh, you know, how it went? I mean, because I'll say this: like the end of the fight. I thought that was poor IQ on his part. I were as you watch back at that fight. Are you is that maybe something that surprised you that you know he he ended up shooting on you? Um, I think it, it was surprising watching it because you're like, oh, he's having success on the feet. But I think if you're in there, he his biggest knock is his cardio. I think he was so tired that he knew like there was my coach yelled out ninety like ninety seconds left, and I feel like he knew like okay, I can't keep this up for ninety more seconds. He's not going away. I need to take him down and recover before the next round. Uh, so I think he shot because he was tired. So it wasn't surprising to me that he did. Um, I was surprised how much power he had from his knees. Really, that was the only thing that surprised me. I was on that single leg, and he was able to buzz me with a shot from his knees, which was – I think that's part of the reason it buzzed me is because I was like, okay, I'm not in danger. And then I didn't see that coming, cracked me right in the nose, and it was like, oh, wow, okay, this is different. I need to hide here a little bit, try to survive. Uh, most of the shots on the feet weren't hurting too bad. Like he was just missing. Uh, but the one, the first one he landed was, phew, he had some heat on it for sure. Uh, and he was able to keep pressure out, but no, I wasn't surprised he shot just because I could feel him getting tired. I could feel, uh, him losing energy for sure. Going into the fight, that seemed to be kind of the, the word that was out there about your game plan. Hey, and this one was, Hey, I, I want to test his cardio. Was that truly the mindset of like, okay, I know he's going to come out balls to the ball early on. I just got to weather that potential early storm. 
Yeah, I think I said in all my interviews, I know I, I think like the first four minutes will be chaos. I think it'll be nuts. Um, I expected to be a little bit more of a back and forth. Uh, you know, I felt like I could, I was going to pace him a little bit more than him pace himself. Uh, but you know, it worked out. You know, but I was expecting for sure. Like the later this goes, the better my chances are. The better uh, my success goes up. You know, and I really felt that way. You know, if I hadn't got that guillotine, I remember thinking, okay, whether I lost this round for sure, maybe even ten eight. But he's got nothing left, second and third, and I know that, and I'll come, I'll pace this kid out, and I'll get the finish in the later rounds if I need to. But when he goes for a takedown and you lock in that guillotine, is the mindset at that point of, I got to crank this thing as hard as possible? Well, I didn't have to crank it too hard, actually. I had it really deep. Uh, I was able, and I didn't hesitate, which sometimes, you know, I think a lot of times people struggle when they try to jump guillotine because they'll hesitate. Huh. And then the guy will, oh, realize what he's in. I immediately jumped to it. Uh, and it was locked in pretty deep right away. Um, I didn't have to squeeze too much. And he was gassed. You put those two things together, you know, it makes for an easy, easy tap. But uh, yeah, I also knew like worst case, I crank on this. He's not going to do much damage. And like I said, I didn't think he would have much coming second and third. So it gave me an opportunity for sure to go after the finish. You had a really interesting uh, Facebook post today. And and there were several things that stuck out to me. Uh, you, you said, I did the most work I've ever done. I really felt, fell in love with the journey again. It's a tough, it's a tough thing feeling like someone who just falls short when it's a matter. That's a demon I've dealt with my entire athletic career career. We broke that idea on Saturday. I say we, because without my team and coaches, I wouldn't have accomplished this. And, and reading that, it, it makes me think of so many times I've had conversations, whether any athlete, any sport, we'll talk about sports can be a mental mind F. Yeah. And sure. Is that what it is for you of just like getting over that? It was, was it getting over like a hurdle? Like you're sprinting down the track. And I just have to jump over this hurdle. Um, yeah, sometimes it feels like you're sprinting. Sometimes it feels like you got shot in the leg and you're limping and you know, it's tough. And I mean, you've been interviewing me since my early, early pro days. And I feel like I've had a lot of expectations my whole career, you know, and that's partly who I, who's in my circle and who I roll with. And, you know, I'm proud of that, but uh, yeah, you know, it's tough because in high school I took third and state three times in college. I took just short of being an all American twice lost on contender in a fight that I was winning most of the fight lost my debut. So, you know, eventually it's like, man, can I just not get it done? I just can't figure it out. And everyone's telling you, no, you got the talent. You can be successful. You're really good. We promise. And until you do it, you know, until I go and get that win, it's hard to believe those people, especially when you keep losing just short. So, yeah, it's huge, man. I feel like I proved a lot to myself. Uh, you know, obviously it wasn't my best performance and, and I can fight much better, which is also a positive, I think. You know, it's like, OK, I was able to get the job done against a really talented fighter on maybe not my best night mm -hmm. uh, in the UFC. So a lot of positives to take from it. Um, I think it's a positive that it wasn't my best performance and that I didn't look great because it's like, OK, well, if you can win when you're not looking great how much better can you be? So uh, I'm back in the gym on Monday, excited to get back to work and uh, back to the grind. It, it makes me think about, of uh, you know, they talk about uh, as an athlete, you have your toughest critics, obviously yourself, you're going to be your toughest critic, your coaches. Where does your wife, Bobby, fall into, into this equation of your toughest critic? <laughs> so my wife is, uh, most people are their toughest critics. My wife is my toughest critic <laughs> and I'm tough on myself. Don't get me wrong, but uh no, it's good, man. She, she's uh, very straight up, very straight to the point. She's very blunt. 
uh, before this fight, I told her, I was like, you know, if he, sh- I literally told her, I was like, if he shoots, I'm going to jump guillotine. She's like, that's the stupidest thing you could do. Don't do that. That never works. <laughs> and then it worked. I was like, I told you. <laughs> I told you. Don't expect me to do that too much. But uh, I was able to get one on her. So I'm going to, I'm going to bask in it a little bit. Just saying, man. <laughs> happy wife happy life i'm just I'm just yeah, telling right. you from experience over here bro <laughs> but you, you you know when you can when you can put that little jab in there you know you got you got to use that jab when you can because yeah. it may not always be there fifty thousand dollar bonus we're trying to buy a house so she can't come at me too hard <laughs> i'll get i'll take it where i can get it <laughs> yeah uh, what so when you hear that you won the performance of the uh, night bonus like do you remember what went through your mind at that moment so i didn't have my phone on me actually i, I leave my phone every fight night i call my mom uh, my mom's always my first call, and then I call my dad, just let him know I'm okay, everything. Uh, and then I left my phone upstairs because I was like, I'm just going to enjoy the night. My team's here. And uh, our group chat, I guess, was blowing up. My manager, Jason House, is like, we got the bonus. We got the bonus. And Dustin Jacoby was with me. He's like, Cody, oh, my God. I'm like, what, bro? He's like, you got the bonus. And we all just went nuts. Uh <laughs> jokingly i was like uh, right now i work construction i'm like i'm never working construction again. <laughs> uh i'll be back to work tomorrow but uh it was just funny we had a great time man everybody's really happy for me uh i think i'm in a really good place you know with the people that i have around me and uh the support i have you know the people that are genuinely rooting for me and and wanting the best for me which is really good you know i mentioned about that that facebook post and, and towards the end of it you said this is a private business i approved a ton to myself in this fight i know i belong is that part of that mental that you had to get past? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like I feel like my whole career I fought really good guys, really talented guys, and uh, all my losses are guys who are either in the UFC or top ten in Bellator. But I haven't beat those guys yet, so it's like okay, I have really strong losses, but I've never beat one of those guys either. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. So to beat one of those guys, it's like okay, I can do this, I can replicate this, I can win on the highest level and at the biggest stage against the best in the world. So it's huge for my confidence going forward. I know you mentioned about you say you're getting back in the gym on Monday, so so I take uh, health-wise, everything's good uh, following this fight. Yeah, all good, man. I'm hoping I can uh, hop back in maybe June, July. You know, is if you're, I mean, obviously, you know, it depends on kind of how fight cards end up making out there. Um, you know, is part of your mindset of like, you know what, maybe, maybe something comes up in late May. Is that kind of even, even on the thought process as well? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always staying ready. I feel like I'm uh, one of the few guys that's always pretty close to weight. I don't cut a ton of weight, so that's not really ever an issue. And, you know, that's how you get opportunities. That's how you get to the next contract. That's how you get the bigger numbers. You know, Dustin, I watched Dustin Jacoby just do it a year and a half before me. You know, he took opportunities. He took short notice fights. He won. You know, winning's huge. But he was he's doing great now. You know, he's top 15 in the world. And he really made those opportunities for himself by capitalizing when, when they were around. You know, he was not partying and, and being an idiot. He was ready to go when it was time to go. And now... He's reaping the benefits of that. Except for that one fight where he was at the campfire. A couple, couple Coors Light deep. Yeah, <laughs> he gets the right. call for a short notice fight. He had a couple more Coors Lights <laughs> and then hopped in there. <laughs> yeah, I remember how he was telling me that story. He's like, they knew I was coming to yours. So I couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the uh, he's he can afford that luxury. He's so talented. Uh, I can't, so I'm going to hold off on the Coors Lights. But uh yeah, Dustin's man. He's awesome, dude. Anybody that gets to be around that guy, I feel like they become his best friend. They love him. When I'm with him on fight week, he gets like a hundred uh, FaceTimes. I'm like, who is that? He's like, well, this guy drove me an Uber one time, and I was like, what? 
<laughs> yeah, out of here, man. Like, uh, man, you're giving your number to everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome, Cody, man. Well, we look forward to seeing the fight here and uh, what's coming with you. Of course, uh, let me know anything you can find on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Uh, no, I just want to thank my team, my family. Uh, like I said, this is definitely a we project. Uh, I'm excited to keep it moving forward. Thanks for having me. And that was my conversation with Cody Brunage. I appreciate him taking some time out there as uh, man being brutally honest there, talking about that matchup of, uh, yeah, man, did not go start off well in that matchup. And then for whatever reason, Dolce, whether maybe, uh, as, as Cody said, thinks that, that Dolce's cardio was winding down there, went for that takedown. Cody gets that guillotine, gets to win. Funny story, talking about that guillotine and his wife, uh, that uh, Amanda Bobby Brunage, you would know her as Amanda Bobby Cooper, uh, basically had told him uh, throughout the camp that it was uh, not the price idea to go for that but ultimately gets the win gets that bonus there but uh, daniel ufc london was this past saturday and one of the things for me was sitting on the couch watching this fight card was just that fight night feeling of like man i feel like i'm watching special just the the environment was electric there in the o2 arena and uh man all the finishes that we had on this card but i want to start with patty pimplett because you know last week on the show you talked about the fact of patty pimplett was the reason to sit there and watch this fight card and patty pimplett went out there and did what he was expected to do gets a submission win there in the first round against uh, Kazuo Vargas. But I want to point to a, a comment. I saw I saw this on my Instagram feed, and I completely agree with what John McCarthy said here. Uh, and John McCarthy said this on his podcast, the Weighing In podcast. Quote, I'm not a Patty hater. I just want to see him against better competition. I've seen him against better competition in Cage Wars than I'm seeing him in his competition in the UFC. Tell me. I'm lying. Big John, you're not lying, bro. And look, I'm not expecting to see a massive step up in competition. Like, Ilya Taporia wants to fight. I don't think it's going to happen. Because I don't think the Patty Pimblet, um management is going to uh, go ahead with that fight. I, I think you are going to very much see, kind of, I think they're going to take the Sean O'Malley resume and say you know what let's build it up here i mean look and i understand what patty pim was saying like look hey if i'm gonna fight these top guys in the world i want i want to make top flight money totally get that but i think this is gonna be a slow build for patty pim look guy the guy has it i mean let, let's i mean we we can see it. this guy he's got it it's it's only a matter of i would say two years from now are we still talking about patty pim the same way because when you watch him fight there are holes you see yeah, I mean, both times out in the UFC, he's got punched in the face really hard. It's almost like he needs to get punched in the face to wake up and then get down to business. That's what we've seen. And Big John McCarthy's right. He's fought better competition in Cage Warriors. But Big John McCarthy is not, like, financially tied to the UFC. And anyone that's financially tied to the UFC is not going to put Patty Pimblin inside a cage with someone who's going to beat him for two years. That would be insanely stupid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Insanely stupid. Did you watch that event? Holy crap. Did you watch that entrance? This guy is getting Molly McCann into a, a star. That's how big Patty Pimblet. Uh, uh, 
Patty Pimlet was responsible was was the biggest reason why we're talking about Tom Aspinall as a heavyweight contender. And, and we were going to talk about Tom Aspinall anyway. He's literally like the third best heavyweight on the planet right now. But he, his star power elevates Tom Aspinall. His star power elevates Arnold Allen, Molly McCann, Elia Taporia, uh, Paul Craig. On the first fight of the night, Mohamed Makayev. Patty Pimblett brought so many eyeballs and attention to this particular fight night card. You had all these people paying attention, and now this fight night card is going to be remembered as, like, one of the best fight night cards ever. You know, like, I would certainly say the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 finale is the best TV fight card we've ever seen in MMA. Maybe that one or the Pettis and uh, Henderson fight. And then the other one I was thinking of is the card that had Pat Barry and Chet Congo. This doesn't stack up to those cards, but this one is certainly better than the night that McGregor won in Dublin. And Kevin, I only probably called it. I remember he called it like the best MMA card ever or something <laughs> crazy like that. But Jason, the Patty Pimblet show's got to be like this because like it's only his second fight in the UFC. It's really awesome. People want to pay money to watch him win fights. And if he fights a better guy, that's not going to happen. Like we've already seen that not be the case in outside promotions. Yeah, I mean, look, we, first off, when you have seven first-round finishes, it's going to go down as a great card. I mean, look, if I am in Dana White's position, I have no reason to rush Patty Pimblett. I'm probably sitting there going, damn, we need to be doing, uh, we need to be going coming to London three or four times a year, and Patty Pimblett's uh, the staple on those cards with what he's done. I mean, you know, like during his post-fight scrum, Dana White talked about, um, the, uh, the post on his Instagram from the, uh, you know, the, the stare downs. And he talked about like, I think like he said, like the main event at that time had like 120,000 views or something like that, where Patty Penn was had 1.3 million. And obviously having the barstool, uh, brand behind you helps out a, a ton as well. I mean, look, Tom Asphalt, you mentioned there, man, goes out there and, and, you know, the submission win against Volkov. And it's going to be interesting to see what they kind of do with the top of this division. Dana White mentioned, you know, kind of hinting interim title could potentially be coming here soon. Uh, you know, Todd Tuvas has talked about how he wants to see Pei Miocic fight. Tom Asmal is saying that he would like Tatu Avasa. We got we got a notable heavyweight matchup coming up here this weekend in Columbus, Ohio, uh, of Chris Dawkins and, and Curtis Blades. That plays into it. I mean, you mentioned about Molly McCann. That spinning knockout, oh my God. And I, I text somebody, and they were like, are you watching this? I go, yeah, yeah, I'm watching it. And I said, you know it's a bad knockout when they won't show the fighter who's been KO'd. Yeah, I mean, that was crazy. Immediately afterwards, you could literally see Luana Carolina doing her best Undertaker impersonation. I mean, you saw the whites of her eyelids. That was so brutal. Man, shout out to Carolina, dude, because Molly McCann was a woman on a mission. She wanted to get that first round finish. She was so aggressive. She emptied out the, the chamber in that first round. And Luana survived. We saw a lot of fighters survive a lot of crazy barrages. I mean, Dan Hooker against Arnold Allen survived for a little bit before he ended up getting finished. But, yeah, Molly McCann, man, is becoming uh, a star in her own right. I, I think when you watch that, that, that UFC fight night, she's probably the third name you think of, you know, along with Pimblin and Aspinall, Molly McCann. And, and that's just great for that women's flyweight division. If you can cultivate her, dude, like – you could get a legitimate big fight now at flyweight. You could legitimately get McCann versus Shevchenko and have that be a really relevant women's flyweight championship fight down the line. You just have to take care of Molly McCann with the matchmaking. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a fight where she was at a massive reach disadvantage. That one, man, she just came forward. I mean, she lit up Luana Carolina on the feet. You know, like, look, I, I if I'm the UFC and I'm putting the promoter hat on, like, I'm not trying to put Molly McCann in the UFC apex. I need her in front of fans because she has got that style. Like, to me, like, if I'm looking at, if I'm the UFC, I'm looking at her, I'm going, okay. We, we either got to put her on a fight night card that we've got fans in attendance, not the 40, 50 people inside the UFC apex. She, to me would be like a pay-per-view opening fight headliner, perfect fighter because you know, she's going to come forward and, and she is willing to eat a shot to land three. Well, dude, they already got the card, bro. I mean, interim heavyweight championship fight in England, Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Ghan or Stipe or Ty. Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater, or Qatar, mm-hmm. as Allen says. Patty Pimblett versus uh, a corpse. And Molly McCann versus whomever. And then you can find your fifth fighter. I would probably put Mohamed Makayev on that on that main card. Well, that like, was, the, speaking of the title matchup, Dana White had alluded to the fact that they were initially, if Kamaru Usman didn't have the hand, hand surgery, they were looking to do Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards as a main event of this past London card. So that was going to be a pay-per-view? No, I guess it was going to be a fight they night. But, do, they, but Dana they were going to do Usman Edwards on fight night. Which, to, uh, which that, to, means, that makes no sense. Well, that, well that tells you what the UFC thinks of Kamaru Usman as a pay-per-view draw. Dude, they would not. Dude, a welterweight championship fight on ESPN Plus. Remember, remember. Just did Usman, it, that was malpractice. Remember what? It was six months ago we put the Bantamweight title and the light heavyweight title on ESPN Plus. That's a good point, but. That's a good point, but it was not someone they've invested a whole lot into. I mean, you're I, you're right. You're totally right. They did do that, and and yeah, uh, the light heavyweight championship is 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 a championship that has a rich history. The, so you're totally right, but that's crazy to me. The other thing that was really interesting about Daniel White's post fight scrum is he talked about the fact of three weeks ago they nearly pulled this card from London. They were going to um, refund anyone who bought tickets, and they were going to move the card to Abu Dhabi. He wouldn't go into details of why that is. He just said, he goes like, look, I, I want to run the business the way I want to run the business. And if we can't do business, I'll take a fight somewhere else. So I don't know if maybe that has something to do with Alexander Volkov and, and that whole uh, entire yeah, situation. Yeah, something to do with him. <laughs> Dude, I mean, what kind of, I mean, duh. I mean, bro, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, come on. Well, <laughs> the, the only other the thing I thought of, was was there maybe something in terms of COVID regulations that the UFC was not fond of? I think the world forgot COVID existed already. Uh, I, think, I think you could be I, right. I, could be right. I, I'm pretty sure you're right on that one. Because uh, just bro, I, I was at a soccer match on Saturday night. Well, it's Florida, so we're a wild west. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it really yeah. matters. Let's just say I was in the um, the the standing section, like where like the like I'm not like my buddy. He gets into it. Like it's the, the fan section. Like he he does all the chance, bro. I sit there and drink beer. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, yeah, man. I, it was what the hell's looking around going. COVID? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I, I think, this uh, is it, this is for it's a wild west, bro. <laughs> and I, I think that uh, that's how, I think that's how the whole. I mean, we're just like, dude, we're just done. Like, but. I would have to assume it's that, and, and it's not only Volkov. I mean, on that prelim card, 
you got that heavyweight matchup between Sergey Pavlovich and Shimi Abdurhamov, right? And and so that's also on that preliminary card. And yeah, I think that was probably something where Dana was going to move it because of that particular reason. But man, dude, Pavlovich too. Oof. That like that dude. That dude looks like a monster. Literally, he literally looks like a Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those cards that if you've not gone back, go back and watch it, man. I mean, uh, Muhammad Makayev was a guy that I was really interested to see. A, a ton of hype around this kid for the past couple of years. Had a tr- I want to say he was 21, 22, 23, and I was an amateur. Uh, now 7-0 and as a professional. I kind of wondered, was this maybe too quick? But, man, just goes out there and just dust Cody me, Durden in 58 seconds. Let me ask you this. If you had to... Which three fighters in this card do you think are going to have the best UFC careers? Asmal will be my number one because I think Asmal's got ceiling of UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah, he's now, already a top now, five guy. The only the only question mark with Tom Aspinall is does he have five round cardio if he gets extended out past three rounds? That is the one question mark. Uh, I did get a chuckle watching uh, Tom Aspinall's uh, post fight scrum. I forget who who answered. I think maybe it was Oscar Willis asked the first question. He goes, hold on. You're not John Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I just started cracking up laughing when he said that. Um, all right. So Asshole would be my clear number one. Ooh, who would be my number two? God, I mean, you got you to like what you're seeing on R&L and amazing win streak he's been on. Um, yeah. Patty Pimwood to me, it, it's I don't know. You, you have to put him in the conversation, but also it's like okay, we got we got to see him go up against top twenty competition uh, before I think you can really put him up there. I'd rather see Tapori at one forty five than one fifty five because I mean you, you saw that that reach disadvantage he had. I mean he got pieced up there in the first round. Um, okay, Jack Shore, I've always been high up. Makayev, Makayev might be. It might go Aspinall, Allen, Makayev. Yeah, I would have the exact same three. And, and Jack Schwartz is worth mentioning yeah. because, like, that was uh, – obviously, it was one of the few fights that didn't get finished. And, by the way, shout out Gunnar Nelson. No, Literally, no one's talking about Gunnar Nelson on any of their MMA podcasts because that fight was not very exciting. But he dominated Sato. But um, Jack Shore and Tamir Valia, like – it's not something a lot of people are talking about because it wasn't a finish, but dude, that was one hell of a performance. Like, like that's like, that was the best matchup on the card other than hooker and Allen in terms of probably closeness of, of the two uh, fighters. Valley was very tough. And that was a big round three from Jack shore with the stand up early and then the grappling later. Um, yeah, I think Arnold Allen has to be a number two because like, obviously we know he's a good wrestler, but he went and he outstruck Dan Hooker and took him to school with his speed and accuracy, dude. Like, that's insane. And then number three, I think it's Mohamed Mokayev. I mean, the one downside compared to Pimblet is that he is fighting at that 125-pound weight class. So it's just not as many opportunities as lightweight. And obviously, Pimblet's already one of the biggest stars in the UFC roster. But when you watch Mokayev fight, it just screams off the – it just screams that this dude's got something special. It really does. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but you mentioned he is a 125er. 
you know, but he is young. I mean, so probably the, the likelihood is a couple of years yeah, as his body fills out a little bit more, maybe going to 135. You know, with Dan Hooker, I'm, I'm really kind of interested to see what happens with him next. Does he does he try to stay at 145 or does he go at 155? I mean, look, no matter whether he's at 145 or 155, I think the problem is ultimately going to be is there are going to be guys that are going to be looking uh, to take him to the ground. But, man, it was an unbelievable UFC London card. Of course, UFC is back at this week. UFC Columbus, we'll talk about that here in a moment. But uh, up next, you're going to hear the conversation that I had with Terrence McKinney. Of course, he had that tremendous matchup there uh, against Drew Dober, a, a fight that does not go his way. Man, first two minutes, he looks absolutely amazing. So we talked to him about that. Also, we talked about his brand-new podcast, which is debuting this week. It's called The Reckless Podcast. going to be there on YouTube. So here's my conversation with Terrence McKinney. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man we got to see in the octagon two times in 14 days. Terrence McKinney, Terrence, man, as always, uh, appreciate time, man. First off there, man, uh, pros and cons of taking two fights on 14 days. Look, uh, let's talk about the pros first. What's the, what's the biggest pro? Is it uh, just about just staying ready? Uh, the pros was my bank account's looking a lot better. Um, I show that I can compete with the top, the top guys in our division. And I showed that this wasn't just hype. Um, I came here to be the real deal. Obviously this is the prize fighting business. We all know that's what this is. I mean, how much did that go? When, when the opportunity gets presented to you to, to, to fight two times in 14 days, how much of the fact of money is kind of a, a big driver in this? <laughs> it's a huge one, you know, because we're here to get generational wealth, you know. I want to have money once I'm done fighting. So, like, I've, I got to make as much money as I can. I'm young, and the body can only do this so for so long. So I'm trying to get as much money as I can to set myself up for the future. You know, obviously, the everyone who... Saw the fight. We just rave. Everyone raves about just the the entertainment value of it. Um, as you evaluate the first two minutes of the fight and looking at what you were able to accomplish, because from my point of view, I feel like if Drew Dober's not one tough tough sob, you're 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 walking away with you know the victory in less than two minutes. But like, how do you view those first two minutes? Um, I was a little bit wild, but. Who wouldn't be when, like, every shot you're landing uh, is striking fear in your opponent's heart and you can sense it? Um, but I got to just pick my shots and the finish probably would have come. I I would have liked better officiating, better official uh, for my fight, though, because, like, some of the moments the ref was there was kind of horrible, I'm not going to lie. Is that, you know, really the biggest thing is about it is just, you know – the it's more about precision as opposed to just kind of you know going balls to the wall yes and uh, the, as you guys see the accuracy was on point the accuracy was on point uh it was just uh when i was throwing the unnecessary punches uh that were wasting energy you know mm-hmm. and of course uh you know everyone you know raves raves about what this fight was for but how, how do you grow from this fight is it more of just sitting there going hey i gotta take the, the good with the bad and just move on and it's rear view mirror or is it something you'll kind of think about for a while um not for too long but i definitely got the necessary tools that i need to work on to be at the championship level because the skills are there um 
I just got to be able to do that for 15 minutes. Uh, you had a, a tweet because you're like, you're one of the, uh, I feel like you're uh, one of the, the, the minority fighters in this game that Twitter seems to be the preferred social media platform as opposed to Instagram. But you had a tweet where you said how you and your mom were asked to come to the Spokane International Middle School, talk to the kids about your story and, and how important to avoid those bad influences. Um, how did that come about? Uh, it's just something I always started doing since like I got in trouble with the law. It's just, just seeing the kids doing the, the drugs at that young age has really hurt my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and if I can help these guys know that drugs isn't a way and, and actually be a leader and just love yourself and, and not just looking for people's love. Like I did trying to try to find love in my friends instead of myself at first. And, and I want to show them that they are cared about without having to do that stuff, you know? I mean, I, speaking about how you're more of a Twitter guy, I did see on your Instagram that you're getting into the podcast world called uh, Reckless. So how, how did this come together? Um, it's just because, like, I, I just like to do a lot of things, man. Any way I can engage the fans and and give them the entertainment they deserve, you know, because they, they always spend money on pay-per-view cards, like, I just want to interact with my fans the best way possible. Show them that I am here for them, not just to fight, but, you know, someone they can, like, talk to, you know, a brother or a friend or so. I want to be that for everyone because God made us all equal, so I want to be here for everybody. Of course, first episode uh, coming out here, uh, which I, I know you said it's going to be part of the, the episode is about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the fight. Um, yeah. Is part of that a little therapy for you in a way? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just fun to look back and critique myself at the same time. But man, was that a fun fight. Are you your hardest critic? Always, and that's how you become great. Who who would you say is your second hardest critic? Um, I would say my boy, Saeed. And of course, y'all are, y'all are doing the show together. Uh, so, yeah. uh, what what can what you know? Obviously, what can you you mentioned about you know fans are going to be able to kind of you know have this interaction. But what else should the fans expect from it? Um, just um, growth, you know, by people's testimonies, be able to get healing and be able to get knowledge from it, you know, so they don't have to make the same mistakes all the fighters like myself have that word growth kind of makes me think about as you look at yourself for, you know, before you came into the UFC and to where you're at now, where's the biggest growth you see in yourself, whether it's as a person or as a fighter? Um, just, uh, my maturity wise and making sure I'm looking out for my surroundings because you never know who's watching. So just making sure I'm a champion on and off the mat. It, it, you may maybe think about as you talking about uh, you know for fans to to get to know you a little bit better. Maybe think about like, do you peek at those Instagram DMs? Do you slide through those DMs just to see what kind of message being sent to you? Yeah, always, man. I talk to the fans because you never know who's reaching out. Um, it could be someone for help, and if I can just be there for them, like I said, that means the world to me. Like when they tell me like, yo, I needed that today. Uh, anything to help a person to live on one more day. I'm here to do that. So are you already back in the gym or are you still kind of taking some uh, time off? Uh, I'm not in the gym crazy, but we're still going once a day. 
in terms of uh, have you start, started to think about uh, when you want to get back in there or or are you just looking for that opportunity that might come about? <laughs> well, the commission said I got to be out for 45 days, even though, like I tell people, I was never hurt at all. But was I tired? Yeah. But I was never hurt um, at all that fight. So, like, I wish I'd get in sooner. So it's just I got to talk to the commission and try to get cleared uh, sooner. But I'd love to be back in two months easy. You know, I, I think that when people think of you, I think one of the, I would say is a unknown, the unknown of what does Terrence look like in round two? What does Terrence look like in round three? Do you like, does that bother you that people kind of say that? Or do you kind of take it as a comment of going, well, it's, a, it's this unknown. And the only way you're going to find out is if you get me there. Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, because... In my eyes, I don't think any real fight should last longer than five minutes. You feel me? How many street fights do you see last in 15 minutes? If two people are really trying to kill each other, I don't see a real fight should last longer than five minutes. If I'm hitting you five minutes straight full power, just know you're going to sleep or I'm submitting you. Like, there's just, if we're really fighting, some there should be people getting hurt. You feel me? I'm like Every time a fan see me fight, they should expect fireworks, man. I'm here to fight. I'm not. I'm not here to do damage, man. I don't want. I don't even want people even thinking about the second round when they fight me. They're like, I want them to be like, oh man, this is the worst night of my life. So that makes me think of your coaches have probably at some point and probably multiple points said, "Hey, Terrence, can you be patient?" <laughs> they did, but man, it felt like every time I hit him, he was dropped, and man, it was it was hard for a, a youngster like myself in the game to not get so excited, especially. Uh, competing against such a worthy opponent and to be able to drop him so many times, uh, it was hard to stay calm. But live and learn. Now I know I possess the power to do so. So now I won't get excited about it. I'd be like, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. They always talk about there's there's things you can see on film about about your opponent. But then, you know, like I've had fighters say, they'll go, you know, go with the game plan and go, maybe I'm not thinking about grappling. But all of a sudden, we get in a grappling exchange and like all of a sudden I realize like, oh man, he's not as strong as I thought I was. Was there something about Drew that you thought of but surprised you on fight night? Um, just how much power he could generate off his back. That was a pretty impressive he had some sneaky elbows. One launched my mouth guard out. And I was like, dang, you sneaky little guy. <laughs> uh, but it was smart because it made me work. Um, he's very smart, and it, he shows why he, he was a veteran. And like I said, boy, did I have fun competing with him. Of course, anytime I'm watching a, a UFC card, your tweets are always up there. You're tweeting away. When you watch a fight, how are you? Are you just simply watching the fight as a, a a consumer of combat sports, or is there part of you that's watching it trying to see what techniques other people are using, or is it a combination? Uh, it's a combination because uh, I'll always be a fan of the sport. You know, I was actually a fan of Drew Dober's too. So like, it was just so surreal that I got to fight such a guy that's well known in the UFC, like that third fight in to get recognition like this is, is just incredible. Uh, final thing in terms of your greatest influence on you, who would you say it is? It would have to be God. Um, he continues to make sure I stay humble and he's not putting no more too much money in my pockets. He's making sure like every step is something I can manage and something I can get prepared for each step of the way. So 
I'm very grateful to God for all this. Terrence, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow you on social media and where they can get that podcast. Um, yes, sir. You guys can follow me at Reckless on YouTube and T-Rex155 on Twitter and Instagram and T-Rex95 on TikTok. And that was my conversation with Terrence McKinney. I appreciate him coming on the podcast to talk about uh, that matchup, an uh, awesome matchup he had there with Drew Dober. What a hell of a chin Drew Dober has on him. <laughs> the fact is the shots that he took there. And uh, uh, be sure to check out Terrence McKinney's uh, podcast, the Reckless Podcast, debuting on his YouTube channel. But uh, Daniel, two weeks in a row where we have UFC fight night cards in front of fans. And, well, you look at the fight card, Daniel. You could tell we got we got a fight card in front of fans as, as I mean like it's one of those things of and like I live very much on a week to week basis I mean but you talk about a fight night card I mean tremendous main event of of uh, Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins but like my number two fight on this card is probably a matchup at 125 pounds between Askar Askarov and Kai Car France yeah I mean Askar Askarov could fight for the championship in that weight class. And, uh, yeah, this is, a this is a card where a lot of these fights are like, you know, I mean, these are just action fights, Matt Brown versus Brian Barbarina. Like we're talking like that's the one thing that, uh, the card we just saw was missing was a fight of the year contender. It was a lot of finishes. This, this fight card has some pretty good fights, man. It, it is obviously not as strong as what we just witnessed, but yeah, like when you compare this, with the fight night cards we're going to get a few months from now or a month from now with the, the font fight night card, the Andrade fight night card, the Muhammad fight night card. This is just a lot more deep. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look, Matt Brown fighting in, in his home state of Ohio against Brian Barbarina. Like the only way I really think you're going to see one of these guys shoot is if they got rocked. Yeah, if they don't know who they are anymore. The only way you're going to see them wrestle is if they don't know who they are. That's that's their damn sure, dude. You know, I don't want to jinx it because it might not be exciting, but um, Alexa Grasso, Joanne Wood could be really good. Like, it, it won't be exciting if Joanne tries to uh, fight more cautiously. I think there's that possibility. But Grasso could bring out that... It, it could be a, like a dope, like that could steal the show. At the end of the day, the odds are, it has to be like minus 2,000 odds that Brown and Barbarana is the fight of the night. I would be stunned if anything else is because I feel like those two guys are going to rock each other 14 times in the first round. <laughs> but Wood Grasso and then Kara France Eskarov, that's a good trio of like really quality, um, like in terms of uh, entertaining fights. Yeah, just uh, you know, as we record the show here on Monday night, the props for fight night are not out yet, but yeah, I would imagine. I mean, and look, for, for Alexa Grosso, she goes out there and gets a win. She puts herself in a tremendous position for getting a title shot there, 125 pounds. Of course, JoJo Wood coming off that loss. Uh, you get Stalia Santos, so she's got some room to grow there. Uh, you got Slavikos, uh Borshev, you know, for, you know, coming off that, that fun fight he had a couple months ago. He's taking on Mark uh, Diacasey. Uh, you got Neil Magny. Uh, Max Griffin uh, sticks out on, on this card as well. I mean, look, you know, I think top to bottom, it, it's a it's a very nice fight night card. Uh, later fight night card says here in the United States, and they have fans in the building. Uh, it's not that uh, one o'clock Eastern time or four o'clock Eastern time start. I believe uh, I want to say the prelims start at seven p.m. Eastern time, and then uh, the main cards at ten p.m. Eastern time. 
Who's your pick in the main event between Blades and Dacus? I want to say Curtis Blades. Yeah. Here's my problem. What if he can't get the fight to the ground? I don't know if I can trust that chin. I know. He's, he does have power, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean the thing is, God, Dacus, I mean, Dacus has been knocked out. You know, that was a tough knockout, but everyone's going to get knocked out by Derek Lewis. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think I'm leaning towards towards uh, Blades as well, but I, I see what you're saying. I mean, Dawkins has absurd punching power. And the thing with Blades is is if he can utilize that wrestling, I mean, he to me, he could. I mean, the only question you have with Curtis Blades is, and we've seen this in some other fights, and particularly I, I think of his fight against Alexander Volkov, which was a five-round fight, where you know it got to that fourth round, and he had worked so hard. I mean, I think he had like – said 14 takedowns in that fight i want to say and, and by, right. by the time the fourth and fifth round hit there that gas tank was just gone <laughs> and, and he was on fumes trying to go out there uh pulling up the stats for his volkov fight yeah he had 14 takedowns in 25 attempts wow Jeez, yeah i mean that has to have been a record at least in terms of attempts but I mean, I mean, but I, you, I mean, look, you look at Curtis Blades' losses, losses in this division. It's Derek Lewis. It's Francis Ngannou. Or you, you know, um, yeah, two times against Francis Ngannou. I mean, it's, it's against the top of his division. Um, you know, the, the only question I ever have is, is really if if Chris Dawkins can keep this fight on the feet, uh, could he catch that chin? But I mean, look, I, I think that Boyd should get the job done, but do have some concerns about you know if, if Dawkins can keep this thing on the feet. Yeah, I think that's that's the right analysis there. But in terms of the pick, I'm locking it in. I'm going Blades. I think he puts Dawkins on his back. Yeah, you know, another sign of how good this fight card is is you don't have massive betting favorites. I mean, you only have uh, two fights on this card where it has uh, a 4-1 to one, uh, or more betting favorite. Uh, Curtis Blades is a minus 365 betting favorite over on DraftKings Sportsbook. Wow. That's, yeah, I would stay away from that 100%. Uh, I would just, I would look at, let's see. What is Dawkins wins by knockout? And that's that's got to be nice odds for the likelihood wow. of that plus, happening. Plus, plus 425. I would put money down. That, even though I'm picking Blades to win, I would put money down on that happening. That yeah. Dawkins knockout. Yeah, that, that's a, a, you know, as I like to say, a juicy prop. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'll give you I'll give a little hat tip here. Uh, coming up uh, on later this week, I'll be filming a betting show for Osmo.com, myself and Pete Rogers Jr. So I think that's going to come out on Thursday evening, I want to say. Hell yeah. So we're going to give a, a straight pick, a parlay, and a prop pick. So people can look for that on YouTube. That's going to be awesome. And where and where can they find it? MA Report or Osmo? Uh, it'll be on the Osmo YouTube channel. Yeah. Osmo YouTube channel. Yeah. Get 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 the get the hottest picks so, in the game. So we've got uh, we we'll have the betting show plus the DFS show as well. I got absolutely killed on DFS last weekend. Well, don't say that. Before. Don't say that after you talk about. I, unfor- unfortunately, <laughs> like I just had the I had the wrong underdogs last week. I had the wrong underdogs. Uh, it's, you know, 
It, it usually whenever you have a, a setback, that's just that's just setting up for a comeback, Jason. So I think you're you're, you're rock solid for this week. Yeah, I mean we, we hit on Paul Craig. We had that one nailed out last week. I did not have uh, my quantum Miracani uh, labeled out as an underdog play uh, last week. Um, did not have uh, Elise Reed, even though it was not a great DFS score in that one. Uh, Tim Ravalev was actually quote unquote my my leverage play of the week just because he wasn't getting a lot of ownership. But uh, yeah, that didn't work out his way either. I mean, it's I mean, look, it's that's the thing when you're playing DFS. It's like you got to find those underdogs to kind of help you, uh, you know, take down those big uh, those big tournaments. Well, you know, there's a there's one underdog I like. I, I like uh, I like Jennifer Maya plus three ten against Madden Firo. You tell me, Kai Car France is not an interesting underdog at plus two fifty. Yeah, he is an interesting underdog too. He is. I just, I mean, I think Askarov's going to win that fight, but Kyra France is so damn good. Yeah, that's a, that's a juicy, that's a juicy underdog for sure. Yeah, I mean that that that's a great matchup. By the way, uh, the uh, one championship tenth anniversary show is on Saturday, so this is going to be in three parts. Uh, but uh, the best way to sum this up: part one, part two, you can watch for free. Part three, the, the fight you really want to tune in for on Saturday. Yeah, it's a pair of you. I want to say it's $40. Oh, Jesus. It's $40? Let me uh, let me pull it up to make sure that I'm correct. I'm pretty sure the other week I saw it was $40. I'm not going to be able to justify this. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah $40 for uh, the what they're calling the 1X Grand Finale, which uh, it's got that Andrea Lee uh, stamp uh, fair talks uh, title fight. Also, Adrian Martin, uh, Morales is defending his band away title. And then you got that mixed rules matchup. I think, you know, that would be to me. If you're talking about why would you pay $40? It's this mixed rules slice between uh, Rod Tang and DJ. Yeah, that's the second that DJ and Rod Tang. How do you say Rod Tang's last name, Jason? I am not going to try to say it. <laughs> I don't you know. I you knew when you brought that up. You knew, you knew the damn answer. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Jitmon Gun, Jitmon Gun. Sure. Okay. I'm. I look. I'm gonna. My girlfriend's gonna have to eat McDonald's on Saturday because I'm gonna put down the forty dollars to watch this. Uh, and and I'm not gonna know how I'm gonna justify it. But. So uh, so to give it a given idea. So if you want to watch part one and you live here in the United States. That'll be uh, available for free on the on watch.1fc.com, the one's YouTube channel, and one's Facebook page at 1 a.m. Eastern time, Daniel. So 12 a.m. So midnight there in uh, the Rio Grande. Okay. Uh, part two, uh, just like part one, will be a part of, uh, you know, on the uh, 1FC uh, website, their YouTube channel, Facebook. That'll start 5 a.m. Eastern time. So Perfect. Four a.m. Four a.m. in Rio Grande, and then the pay per view will start at eight a.m. Eastern time, so seven a.m. Central time. That's more my speed. Uh, there's a, there's a likelihood that I wake up and I watch this live. That that could absolutely happen. Uh, I'm interested in that one X uh, grand finale. Like the second that. Oh God, what's the name of the promoter? Uh, uh Chatri. Chatri. Yeah, yeah. The second he went on Ariel's show. And announced the DJ fight. I was in. I wanted to see that fight happen. I mean, DJ is one of the best fighters of all time. And this particular fight rules are very interesting. Where like one is is kickboxing, one's MMA. Uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited for that. I think that Angela Lee stamp fair tax fight and that Yuya versus Adriano Moraes fight at one flyweight championship. That's good. 
obviously anytime to watch John Wayne Parr fight in this Wushu versus Muay Thai Legends fight I'm interested in. I, I got to think that Super Bond versus Mirag or Gorian will be a fun little kickboxing match. But, you know, I'm really excited to see Sexyama and Shinya Aoki fight, man. That's such a weird, weird fight. Yeah, Sexyama is so much bigger. So, I, by, by, yeah. the, by the way, so the rules on DJ and Rod Tank. So this is a four-round fight. If we, I think Chartree has basically said he doesn't believe there's no way this thing's making it to the third round. But yeah. so the first round is a Muay Thai rules. Muay Thai, Muay Thai, not kickboxing. Uh, second round is MMA. You can't, you can't. If DJ survives a Muay Thai in round one, there's no way Rod Tank survives round two, right? Yeah. So what's round three? Muay Thai. Oh, and then round four is MMA? Correct. What's and the, what's, and, what's the and it will be contested in MMA style gloves. Dude, they that, they that. will be each round is three minutes long. Ooh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. So Rod Tang is a Muay Thai legend. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I mean, look, if you're going to watch this thing on Saturday morning and you're going to fork over to forty dollars, that's the whole reason you're. You, you, no disrespect to the other fires that are part of this, but the reason I'm thinking about dropping forty dollars. Hey, one championship. If you want to give me a free uh, code to use. Send it my way. Send it my yeah. way. But yeah, I we'll feel like I don't, I'm not counting on that to happen. I'm counting that they're going to say, no, Jason, put your goddamn credit card down. <laughs> and watch this thing. But, I mean, that to me is the reason. I mean, Adrian Morales, I mean, man, after what he did with DJ, I mean, how, how do you not want to watch that fight? Um, you, know, you, you mentioned about, like, like for to me, for old school MMA fans, if I would have said five years ago, Ching Aoki and Akiyama are fighting, I feel like people have been really jacked to see that five years ago, 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. I think you might have to go back 10 years. <laughs> I think you might have to go back 10 years, Jason, <laughs> because usually like that's when I was in high school is when Shinya was like at his prime. Let's see. When would that be exciting? I mean, look, Shinyoki's won a lot of his fights recently. He's like really like damn good lately. Like you look at his, you look at his record, man. That's a lot of W's and, and he hasn't really gone on a losing streak. Like, there was a point in time when Shinya Aoki was, like, the fourth best lightweight in the world. And, you know, he's yeah. still an unbelievable grappler. But, yeah, I, I would assume Sexyama is just a much bigger dude. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Akiyama is the, is the guy who's definitely aged the worst of the two. And, and I think Aoki's got to be the pick here, no matter how much bigger. Wow, he's, he's – Sexyama is two inches – I mean, an inch and a half shorter, I think, which is – I guess kind of something I knew because, you know, he, he wasn't too tall in the UFC when he's, yeah, damn, look at Sexyama. He's lost like so many of his fights recently, but he's fought much better guys. 46 yeah. years old is Sexyama. Uh, yeah. that, that one sticks out to you there. Uh, man, I, I guess this shouldn't be a surprise to me that Shane Aoki is 38 years old. Guy's been around forever. Yeah, he is, but he'd, he'd been competing at a very young age. But, you know, he, he kind of came up in that generation with Alvarez and uh, Joachim Hansen and, and Jay-Z Cavalcante. That was kind of that that mix of guys. You know, uh, Kawajiri, who I think recently – I think Kawajiri recently retired, or maybe I'm thinking of Omigawa that had that retirement fight. But one of those guys did. Bro, we're just getting old, man. All these guys we watched fighting 10, 15 years ago, the dead days are over, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the fact that Max Holloway is getting old makes me feel old. You know, the fact that Rose Namajunas is no longer like 23 years old 
you know, it's, it's making me feel old. Yeah, I saw like I saw a headline that was talking about uh, apparently the betting line on that fight between Rose and uh, Esparza. Esparza is not that wide. Yeah, Rose minus one sixty five over Bet MGM. Take my money. People, yeah, I would I would put money on Rose, but I think people are looking at that pathway to victory, and it's incredibly clear for the dog there. You know, take her down. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Look, if you're Carl, you're not trying to get into a striking matchup. <laughs> that is not Carl's strength. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, that's going to be one of the easiest fights to break down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but like you look at some of these upcoming UFC pay per views, man. They're just they're they're stacked to the gills. You got the the April 9th car, which you got the two title fights. Uh, you've got the <clears throat> the bantamweight title in the co-main event and the featherweight title in the main event. And then, of course, a month later, you got the light heavyweight title online, you know, along with the strawweight title. Plus, you got, I mean, there's no way at UFC 274, Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson can suck. Zero percent chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zero percent chance. I mean, those are two of the most exciting guys in the roster, simply put. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. There, there is, there's no way that that can happen. Just ab- absolutely no way. I mean, yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the strategy of the UFC during the pandemic has been evident. And it, it's been stacking these pay-per-views. And it'll be interesting to see if these pay-per-views remain stacked as we begin to – as they are forced to sell more tickets by putting on better fights throughout those fight night cards as they venture out of the apex. Chandler is somebody because I was recently watching his appearance on the Bustin' with the Boys podcast. And you know, he, he talked a lot about his uh, – his fight there against Gaethje. And, you know, he's one of these guys that, I mean, look, look, look we, we love fighters who have the fighting style like Michael Chandler. But yeah. there has got to be, deep in his, his soul, goes, you know what? If I just play it safe, I'm probably the UFC lightweight champion right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, he certainly has the skill set, but I don't think it's in his blood, man. I oh, mean, we, no. you going back to his Bellator career, it's not often that he would play it safe and, and go back on the wrestling, but you're not wrong. But if he played it safe, he probably wouldn't be in the position he's in now. He probably wouldn't have gotten that championship fight. Yeah, no, no. Uh, by the way, Uriah Faber uh, has now joined the list of uh, fighters who have their own uh, mixed martial arts promotions. He's now putting on shows in California, doing a combination pro and amateur show. I don't know if you heard an amateur fighter passed away after an ammo fight league fight um, two weeks ago. I, I literally oh, yeah. got the call the next day about it. Um, so I think you're probably going to see something happen from the Association of Boxing Commission and Combative Sports when it comes to amateur MMA. Um, and probably I think probably comes down to is, I guess probably the question in that particular instance is going to be what kind of medical testing was done before the fight. Yeah. So that's something to kind of pay attention to here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's incredibly sad, man. Prayers to his family. And, or, or, you know, that's just a sad situation. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to have people like Uriah Faber and, and Habib promoting shows because clearly you would think that there's um, significant money or a decent amount of money going into those promotions. And it's not just some Joe Schmo running a promotion with more risk. Dude, it's, it's pretty amazing to think about eagle fc of what they've been able to accomplish in the united states over the last four months yeah yeah i mean 
they uh they they are relevant already. They are relevant, and it is hard to be relevant when you're not the UFC. It's as simple as that, and and they are. And it the biggest reason why is they're willing to spend a lot of money on free agent talent, and Habib is associated with them. Yeah, it's one of those things that go how are these how are these guys making money like yeah, that that's yeah, the thing I aren't. look at. They probably aren't, Jason. <laughs> if you ask that question, the answer is they probably aren't. I mean, it, it's just like you see some of these names are signing them like. God, there's got to be some massive financial backers behind this. Like, did yeah. they reach out to some of those PFL investors? I know, right? Those, <laughs> yeah, who, yeah. There's, they aren't making money. Is is how I would put it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's you know, it's uh, I, I, hey, full transparency. I have yet to watch an Eagle FC show. Wow, you got well. I, I'm sure that'll change in the future if they continue to put on shows. Yeah, I mean, I just you know. Do I need really need to sign up for something that's free? That's what I don't get, man. Why do I got to sign up for something that's free? They got to get your info. You can sell it. I know. I know that's what it is. I mean, like, I feel like you, you get more eyeballs if you're on YouTube. Yeah, that, without a doubt. It's just easier to share. You just see it on your Twitter feed. You click on it. Boom, it's right there. You don't have that barrier to entry, but... I guess that's the one way they're looking at generating some type of revenue off that online viewer. They're willing to sacrifice maybe 10 eyeballs to get one that's willing to make that account. Dude, I was like looking around today and I was like, do people actually still get traditional cable satellite? I do. I have it on, man. I love it, bro. And everyone's going to go back to traditional cable because Netflix is getting more expensive. There is only one reason I would ever go back to traditional cable and satellite storage wars no oh what is it regional sports networks oh yeah yeah get a yeah yeah i have, I have I, like here in tampa i cannot legally watch rays lightning magic i can't i don't have access to those games because bally sports is not a part of the only uh streaming platform bally sports is offered on is a uh, direct tv stream now which, bro, ain't goddamn cheap. It's like yeah. $90 is a cheap package that includes the, the RSNs. Jesus, that's insane. Nearly 100 bucks. oh my God. Yeah, but it's that's not worth it. Nah, man, nah, man. I mean, like, I will tell you what, it, it was cool being at a, a sporting event that I'm not working and, and being in a, a fan environment. That, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone is just, you know, between you being there in person or, or watching the UFC card, I think watching March Madness, watching, you know, the past NFL season, I, I think the pandemic really told us, like, bro, like, we love this stuff, and, and fans play a vital role, you it's, know, it, yeah. It's always fun when your team scores 45 seconds into the match. Yeah. By yeah. the way, um, so there was a, a guy who attempted to be a streaker. Uh-huh. So he... uh he gets to to midfield and uh, apparently didn't have the right shoes on. Falls all you know, fall, falls right on his butt. So they get him easily. And one of the guys that was uh, like two rows uh, Pelosi goes, he goes, bro, if you're gonna streak, you can't just be shirtless. That's not streaking. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I love the critique and the criticism. Yeah, if you're gonna get in trouble, it's so that ass man. Like, if, I mean, like, bro, you are going to jail tonight. Yeah, make it worth it. If you're going to spend a, a time in jail cell with Thomas and Peter, 
make it worth it. All right. Cause have you imagine, a good story to tell. Imagine that story. Like, Hey man, wait, what are you in here tonight for? Oh man, I was at a soccer match tonight and uh, I thought it'd be cool to try to streak. Oh man, you got naked. No, 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 man. I had pants on. I was just shirtless. You immediately lose credibility in the street, in the, in the prison cell. Yeah. Know? That, that is, that is not streaking. Yeah. Yeah. Get it together, man. You know, I, I will tell you, uh, after the game, I went to a place to get some chicken wings and, uh, boy, people watch it was good. Yeah. I saw some crazy people out there. Uh, there was a, a crew of people who apparently still thought it was St. Patrick's day. <laughs> and bro, they, probably they were bombed. Yeah. They probably <laughs> hadn't gone to sleep since then. I'm just sitting there. Like, I we're waiting for the food. Everybody looks at me and goes, what? I go, bro, this is some damn good people watching. I feel yeah. like I'm going to Walmart. It's like a damn movie show. Yeah, Walmart, you see the craziest people. but Bro, I'm yeah. telling you, I, I've, I've always said this. If you're ever down about yourself and you want to feel better, don't go to Target. Yeah, go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah, that's for damn sure. That's where, that's where problems are had. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, man, there is some. You know, I would just say this as someone who has uh, worked in the bar and nightclub business for a long time. Uh, nightclubs are, are excellent. Like you don't even have to go there to drink. You you literally you could just sit there at the bar and just sip on a drink, and the entertainment is right in front of you. <laughs> I yeah yeah that's that's way better Netflix. Yeah yeah yeah. I mean, hey, by the way. You know Netflix needs to get some royalties on F1, by the way. Oh yeah. DraftKings is now offering F1 contest. Oh wow, I love it. Yeah, I love I love F1. And uh it's because of the Netflix show. I watched it. I watched last season in person, like live and and uh yeah, watching the Bahrain Grand Prix and live live. Well, you watch something live on Netflix. Yeah. No, 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 no. I watched the season like like the actual F1 season. It, I watched it. Like I was all caught up by Oh, last. so you couldn't binge watch it. You had to uh like No, 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 no. Like like I binge watched the whole thing. And so last year was my first year watching the sport oh, as okay. it's happening. And and so now, you know, I'm an expert after 1 year of, of watching it and and watching Netflix. So I've subscribed to podcast uh yeah, I uh, I saw. It. I'm an expert now. But, yeah, uh, I feel I feel like I'll be playing in some F1 contests on DraftKings here in the very near future. Uh, I, I just got in a little too late. By the time uh, I realized it was going on, it was like I don't know an hour and a half before the race was going to start, and there were no good contests left. So yeah, put some money on Ferrari. Well, you just got to wait and see what happens during the practice. But it seems like it's going to be a Ferrari that will win the next race because they dominated this past one. Coming soon, your Daniel Gavon F1 podcast. I'm I'm ready to do an F1 podcast. Like I don't really know what's happening, but I I can like see the trends. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's definitely there. But uh, that is gonna do it for this week's edition of the Ameriport Podcast. So as always, I appreciate everyone takes time out of their day to listen to this show. Of course, uh, if you're not uh, following the show, whether that's on Apple Pod, that's the new name by the way. So long as you don't subscribe, you follow the show. And of course, Spotify now has ratings. So if you can leave a rating over there to Spotify, I really appreciate that. Uh, kind of learned that apparently you have to listen to a couple episodes before you can actually give a, a rating. So appreciate it if people could do that if you listen to us over there at Spotify. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Ameriport Podcast, which comes out every Tuesday on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com. <laughs>